I'm Riggs Eckleberry, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Origin Clear. The government needs to continue to provide a lot of abundant, clean water. But what happens to it after it's used, when it's dirty? Do you know that 80% of all sewage is never treated, it's just dumped? That leads to water scarcity, but it also leads to a lot of disease and pollution, the ocean turning into something horrible. At the same time, the cities and counties are not getting the funding they need to really treat the water. And so they can't keep up. The solution is let the people who use the water clean the water. Water on demand is investment in actual capital assets that earn income. Sign up to hear my weekly briefing every Thursday night, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just put oc.gold slash CEO in your browser, register for the briefing, and I look forward to hearing more from you. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the CEO briefing, the last one of May 2022. What I'm going to do is I'm going to move straight into this podcast that I recorded with Marissa, Marissa Nell, very smart lady. And this has our latest thinking. And Sharon Skonetsky says, hi from Washington State. We have lots of water here from out of the sky. That is for sure. All right. And we'll get this party started. Welcome to the podcast, Riggs. Mariska, it's such a pleasure. So you are um, the founder and the CEO, you know, Origin Clear. But what exactly is Origin Clear? We think of ourselves as the clean water innovation hub. And what that means is we come up with new ideas to transform the water industry we create those into businesses and then we launch them into the world, right? The one we're doing currently, for example, is a way to make it possible for people to put up water systems without having to pay up front, just pay on the meter as if they were paying, paying the, uh, the city, uh, but they're paying us instead. Let's say you're a brewery and um, you're, you're producing too much beer and now the city won't take your effluent, which happens a lot. Um, you can have your own facility. You don't have to pay up front and you also have full maintenance. So it's, it's a sort of an um, instant solution to the water problem. And for investors, it's kind of like uh, receiving royalties from an oil well, except it's water, right? So that's what we call water like an oil well. Uh, so that's, that, that, that project is called Water on Demand. And we just uh, launched it as an uh, independent company under our ownership. And we're you know, investors are coming in to capitalize it because when you offer water equipment to a customer for free up front, somebody's got to buy it for you. So we have investors who buy the machines and then they receive a residual over the lifetime of the system. And so they get a productive asset. The user gets um, equipment without having to go into their capital or go into debt or whatever. And we are able to scale very widely. So there's that. We're also uh, planning a water coin, which would represent the water asset. And ultimately, we think create a water marketplace, a world water marketplace. Um, we are also spinning out a certain, we have certain technologies that we've incubated in-house that are now in revenue and, and soon we'll be able to also go out. So we have about five properties in Origin Clear that we're simply putting on the launch pad. Now, this is a big change from even three months ago when we were very much about creating a more dense death star of value, you know, everything packed in. But we realized that that didn't do justice to a lot of what we're doing because, you know, it's like, like having a large family, you know, there's always some kid who's like, where'd Jim go, you know? <laughs> so, so as a result, uh, we felt that parts of the, of the company 
were not really being served well. And we realized that actually launching them and crowdfunding them would be a great way to create a bunch of um, small public companies and um, you know, sell replication, you might say, and just push them out. And then we would, of course, own the largest part of all these um, uh, companies. And over time, we want to do a lot of these. We, we think that you know, it's not one invention, it's not one initiative that's going to change the water industry. It's a series of them over time. And that's yeah. the machine we built Yeah. Oh, wow. It sounds like you guys are extremely, extremely busy. Um, But I just want to kind of take a step back. So obviously, you know, a lot of these um, facilities will be kind of, you know, treatments of the water. But um, just to kind of give some of our crazy birds, um, you know, a little bit deeper dive, like, you know, why is it so important for you guys um, to have these facilities so that you can actually, you know, treat the water? Why is that treatment of the water so important? In the world, 80% of all sewage is never treated at all. It's just dumped. Now, in... In US, UK, Dubai, New Zealand, that's not so. I mean, it's the, it's the inverse. But in places like Bangladesh, almost all of it is dumped. And so you have a big problem with the, the rivers, lakes, and oceans and the uh, groundwater becoming polluted. For example, California has a terrible problem with hydrocarbon pollution of its, of its groundwater. Why? Because they've been very permissive with the oil industry and allowed it to basically sprinkle its um, reject water onto the hillsides without filtering. And um, over time, that destroys the water. So we have to clean the water. Now, that's just the treatment side, but we intervene at the clean, at the clean water at the, at the head end, treating the dirty water and also recycling the treated water, all three. And especially we have a new um, program that's called Water for Us, it's just started, which is we realized that we were starting to get clients who were these, there's a lot of migration happening in America where people are moving away from the big cities into what's called secondary cities. And actually a couple of years ago, Prince Charles spoke about that, about how the need for uh, secondary, the growth of secondary cities to take the load off the big mega, megalopolises, which we've now seen there's terrible problems with supply chain and, and potentially exposure to uh, infectious disease. I mean, you know, we've had COVID, but I can tell you that a farmer in the middle of the Midwest has not had a COVID problem. He's just not exposed to other people, right? So if we can spread out the population, it's actually a good thing. And we're seeing people do that naturally. So people are leaving the big cities, moving to places like here in Florida. In fact, we, um, my wife and I moved in 2020 from Los Angeles to the West Coast of Florida. Um, and in part, it was because, you know, it's like, you know what, this is, there's, this is just becoming a little bit nuts. And a lot of people are like that. Now, what's happening is they're moving into places where there's not adequate sewage and not adequate water supplies. And so there's an opportunity to give them complete water uh, self-sufficiency. So imagine that you buy a house, uh, a tract in the middle of Pennsylvania 50 acres, and it's very cheap because sewage is miles away. Well, then you pay you create your own self-contained system, and now you've just created housing development without having to dig up a bunch of sewage um, lines, which is expensive and also disruptive. So that uh, Water for Us project basically says we're building self-sufficient human communities 
with this technology and it uses the water on demand financing engine. So when that um, housing development is built, they're not going to have to buy and have to spend a million dollars up front for that water system. It'll be part of the dues paid by the homeowners. Oh, that's amazing. And I mean, coming originally from South Africa, like, I mean, um, you know, a couple of years ago, there was like that they kind of called it day zero that was approaching. And that was the day that Cape Town would literally be without water. Cause you I know, they, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, water is becoming so, so important, you know, and to be able to have clean water is even more important. And I mean, I work with a lot of organizations that actually helps also to, you know, provide clean water and sanitation to some um, countries that, you know, the women still literally walks like kilometers every single day to just like, you know, get their daily water. And here we are, you know, just opening every single tap and so fortunate to actually have water. But, um, you know, who says that's going to be the case for all of us in, you know, another 50 years if we just you know, just like wastewater as we are currently doing. So, um, I mean, what you guys are doing is really, really so crucial to kind of, you know, put all of those ends together and to make sure that people are able to actually treat the water like kind of where they are because, I mean, the facility will be like kind of with you, you know, it's like a contained system as far as I understand. Am I correct? Yeah. It's modular and it's... Um we have a technology for modular water systems that are prefabricated and they just drop them in place. No muscle, no fuss, connect them and you're done. That's part of what makes it work very well. But you were talking about Cape Town. You know, I think you remember that Cape Town was resolved, resolved by simply making the farmers take less water. Right? Yeah. That was the solution. Well, it didn't help the farmers, right? Um, and the same thing is happening in Northern California where nobody can figure out what to do because they're literally running out of water. And the only solution is to, you know, instead of growing avocados and almonds, grow, you know, um, kale or, or barley, you know, which are more drought resistant. And unfortunately, the farmers are like, well, excuse me, I built my business on avocados. And so this, unfortunately, right now, this trade-off. So the first thing we have to do is we have to make proper use of the water, which means recycling it. America today is terrible at recycling. Um, Israel recycles almost 90% of its water. The second in the world is Spain, actually, with 20%. And then the U.S. is at 1%. Um, wow. And the reason That's is shocking. that all the water... I know, well, <laughs> here's why. Because we have older water systems, they were all built in one direction. The water flows from, let's say, Beverly Hills in Los Angeles, downhill to the El Segundo water plant by Santa Monica Bay. And then it gets treated, and they put it in the Santa Monica Bay. It doesn't go back up to Beverly Hills mm -hmm. to get reused. It's not designed that way. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be impossible. And now it's all built up. What are they going to do? Build huge aqueducts going back uphill. So um, the way this, the centralized systems are built, they just don't allow for wholesale recycling. But if you're doing your own treatment, you can recycle. You have the water. You treated it. Now you can put it on the lawn, you know, on the golf course or you know, even um, theoretically, you know, all this water can be reused to drink, but nobody wants to. Mm. But the fact is that maybe we're getting to that point where we got to think like astronauts 
and reuse all that water for our own consumption. You are actively kind of involved in um, or working in the crypto or like blockchain products um, to uh, like kind of support the financial decentralization of water with the blockchain. Like, can you share more about this? Well, it's fascinating. First of all, I mean, Mariska, um, the problem with water is that the price is different everywhere. You know, it might be very, very cheap in one place and very expensive in another. And so it's very hard to create a global market. Uh, the oil industry is standardized around the price of, you know, West Texas crude and Brent crude. Those are the standard prices. But we don't have any such thing in water. It's highly localized. So how do you create a global market? Because it makes sense that if you have a water risk in Northern California, you should be able to hedge it by buying options on Singapore water, which is very mm. plentiful, right? You can't. There's no such thing. So there's a, a need for a marketplace. We believe it can be done through crypto. And here's how. By creating these, these uh, paper gallon systems where people fund water treatment systems that are then, you know, return of royalty to investors. We now have a, a flow of dividends, right? The, the money going to the investor. Now we package that into um, an asset coin or an NFT. doesn't matter how, but there's a packaging of it. And it's that, that coin holds all of the future revenues from that contract. And let's say that I go, okay, the contract is worth, I don't know, half a million dollars. I'm going to resell it to Mariska. And all I got to do is just do a change of address and boom, it's yours. Mm. Now they'll also be broke. They'll be broken down into much smaller pieces than half a million. But the point is, it's kind of like the, in this country, there was an American football player who took his contract and created a coin that sold off pieces of his future contract. So people got pieces of the contract and he got the money now. Right. So, uh, he got it. He sold it at a discount, obviously, but he got present money, and they got potentially future money, assuming that he didn't get injured. Right. So yeah. that's the same kind of idea, which is that you take a productive asset and you put the future income stream in a coin, and now you are able to um, move it around. That mobility, we think, eventually can create a water marketplace because that's what's happened already with the. Uh, I don't know if you know what NFTs are, but nonetheless, it is a it's a type of asset, and yeah. um, and it, it's very easy to transfer. Non fungible means this individual is it's unique, right? So it's unique. It's it's this is that that water that water, not the other water, and so it it ties it to a specific contract, and it then um, once you have those contracts, and they all have pricing that is standardized. Mm. And now we're starting to move to a water marketplace. Now it'll take a while, but we believe that, you know, look, the whole the crypto world is moving away from what they call shit coins, which are basically just scams. Yeah. And it's moving towards coins that have something behind them. Exactly. In this case, it'll be monetized water supporting a coin. And I think that's very healthy. So the coin is actually called the dollar signage tool. Dollar sign H2O. Dollar sign H2O. So that's the coin. Um, but you also have a separate like part, um, which is called Clear Aqua. Can you... You've been reading well. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Can you tell us more about the Clear Aqua project? 
Well, dollar H2O is a fine coin. And by the way, these, these will be one of the good things about doing this sort of hub and spoke approach to launching things is we don't have to mix up the coin with something else. Mm-hmm. It's going to have its own rollout so that you do financing through the crypto world, which is very specific. Anyway, the, the problem with dollar H2O is it's a security. Why? Because it pays dividends. In the United States, you cannot market a coin that's a security unless it's to the upper 1%, right? Mm. So what about, the, what about everybody else? So we thought, well, wait a minute, let's make a coin that's not a security. And it's more like a community, sort of kumbaya, that's all pulled together kind of thing, where um, you have a network with people on the ground spotlighting problems, reporting them up to delegates. Um, this is, uh, if you've ever read about de- uh, delegate, delegate Proof of Stake, DPOS, which is uh, um, Matt Larimer built it, it's wonderful. But it puts humans in the system to basically be proctors for the process. And then they gather up these problems and turn them into proposals, which then go over the bridge to this H2O side for, for the financing. This entire Clearwater community process is, is open to anyone. Why? Because it's not intended to make money for people. Coin mm. um, may be worth money over time, but that's not the purpose of having it. The purpose of having it is to make the world a better place and to have make better water by having a, a, uh, an intelligence network, shall we say, of community activists who are all of us. Riggs, what would you say is kind of next for like Origin Clear? I mean, you guys are already having so much going on, but kind of what would you see like, you know, what's next for you? Well, we were, okay, so here's what's happening. Because we made the decision to, instead of bulk up value, instead to launch it out into the world, we're turning Origin Clear into more of a mothership that will do all of the shared, you know, marketing, finance, um, personnel, legal, et cetera, for all of the children so that these spinoffs don't have to have all those. They can just focus on what is specific to them. And so we're building that right now. We're building that that sort of central resource capability. And we're doing the first launch, which is Water on Demand. Next up will be the crypto. After that, there will be a rollout of a um, um, what we call conveyance, which is uh, moving water. Um, there's a technology for that. And then after that, anyway, so we have a series of these lined up in the future, but to make it work, we have to have a good central uh, service point, And that's the future of Origin Clear, which will gain revenues from managing all, all of these, um, all of its children, and also have shares of a large piece of all of them. And so I think that um, my, my ownership of Origin Clear is going to do very well. That's my certainly my hope after all these years. But I have enjoyed, finally have enjoyed it. It's been very, very tough, I have to say. During COVID, we had the worst time because our business model was not fixed. Mm-hmm. And we were de- we were operating at the speed of the water industry, which is not fast enough. And our yeah. best patient. And finally, though, the, the work is hard, but it's fun. Well, it sounds like it's really rewarding as well. So, you know, thank you for all the work that you're doing. You know, it really, it does make such a difference. And I'm sure, you know, it's going to have an impact on a lot of people around the world in the future. Reska, it's been such a pleasure. I love the thorough and interesting nature of your podcast. So keep up the good work.
Oh, thank you so much. And I think that is a wrap. Thank you to your audience. And uh, let's all pull together to make it a more sustainable world. Um, Riska is actually normally based in Dubai, but she got, she's in Perth, Australia, sort of a COVID, COVID refugee with her husband. But um, she told me she likes Dubai very, very much. It's quite an amazing place to be based, certainly for crypto people in the crypto world. And um, who knows? We do have plans for building finance outposts in other financial hubs of one on demand. So the whole idea for, for scaling up one on demand is we do it here, we do it well for you know, the United States, and then we do other regions, always remembering that we stick to finance and don't try to build every machine, which is what would slow things down tremendously. Good. So with that, I'm going to talk about what um, I referred to in my CEO update yesterday. Um, and, you know, this water disaster in the American West and what can be done about it. All right, so uh, there's cuts coming, mandatory restrictions, uh, saving water, uh, limiting outdoor water, et cetera. But let me tell you something. There's, there's something about this that you need to know, and I'm going to continue in a second here. Um, farmers. Farmers are upset and they don't want their water to be dumped. Um, that's not really what's going on, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, and even worse is the electrical generation out of our two big, uh, you know, Lake Mead and Lake Powell are at a level that it's literally going to stop generating power. Um, and here's a picture in, on April 5th of Lake Powell, which is, when you see it from the air, it's this long zigzag, looks like a long lizard. It goes on and on and on. And you can see it's several hundred feet down. It's not a pretty picture. So... What's happening? What's the story? Um, well, here's the story. Agriculture consumes 80% of the water in California. Uh, intense irrigation, um, and so they're using up groundwater. 20% of that goes to tree nuts, and about two-thirds of those nuts are exported, which, according to Food and Water Watch, um, has an opinion about it, that's for sure, leaving massive water, massive profits for corporate titans with less water in California. Another 15% is used for alfalfa which also is very water intensive. And, it, and then 14% of the water treated by water systems is lost to leaks. So that can be a big chunk. Um, <clears throat> so think about that 14% in treatment, okay? But the 80% is an important number. Now, in addition to the water used for alfalfa, there's also the mega dairies. And uh, the stat here from these Food and Water Watch people is that they use more water per day than San Jose and San Diego combined. And of course they have a lot of runoff and waste themselves. And they have similar problems in New Mexico and Oregon. So here's the point. Go ahead, take, take less showers in LA, San Jose and San Diego. That's not where the big change is gonna happen, all right? So unfortunately consuming less at the household level is not a big, it's, I'm not gonna say you shouldn't do it, do it when you can, but this is not gonna affect things tremendously. Um, fossil fuel, they're actually, uh, think about it, um, this amount of fresh water they used to drill with was millions of showers for California households, and there's a lot of pollution of the aquifers, as I mentioned to Mariska in my, in my podcast. All right, and then um, there's a problem with getting things built. Um, you Basically, they're not getting things built, and now California has a big problem. They really, really need housing. But the water rights 
for, were, were junior to agriculture and irrigation. So you see agriculture is a senior user and it's the biggest user by far. So here's the issue, according to Bloomberg Law, um, that housing is needed. Of course, we know that California has a big need for housing, but they're not allowing new, new water connections. And that actually ironically forces people to stay in older homes that use more water. It's kind of a nasty situation. Now, this is what Food and Water Watch says. Um, I'm not, this is not, I'm not saying this is my position, but they're not happy about Governor Newsom building a tunnel to support industrial agriculture. Uh, he should be all over the, the polluters. He should stop the factory farms, almonds, et cetera. Um, I don't think Food and Water Watch is aware of who is lobbying in Sacramento, literally paying uh, the bills of these people's uh, political campaigns, both for the governor and the assembly. So it's not exactly um, a realistic thing. Here's our take. It's true that agribusiness and other investors far out consume California residential users. However, it's not gonna be swapped out anytime soon. So what do we do? Well, recycling water, remember what I told Mariska that, that you know, whereas uh, Israel recycles 90% of its water, America recycles only 1%. Well, that's a scandal. And we can have a dramatic increase in water by recycling. But the central water systems will not do it. That's why it's not part of anybody's plan at the uh, state level. But self-water treatment does it, and that's why our self-sufficient communities um, initiative is so important. So we're on the right track here to get recycling going. Now, should we do um, desalination? Absolutely. I think it's terrible that this Huntington Beach um, desalination project, after years and years and years of money spent on it, finally got killed because... Um, it has, it has its negatives. I'm not saying it's a perfect project, but this is water California needs. So it's gonna be very, very hard to get any kind of desalination done for California. So big problem. Now there's some other solutions to get water, um, but those are the realistic ones. So that is that, uh, I wanted to cover that and kind of to zero in on the problem. Um, recycling is gonna help and that's what we're doing. So that's very important. Okay. We, the team was in, in Texas, Tom Marchesello and Dan Early uh, were in Texas to visit uh, Houston Polytank. And let's take a look at what, I have a short clip as they were there on site and you'll be able to see what they do. It's super interesting. I'm Dan Early, Chief Engineer with Origin Clear and Progressive Water Treatment, uh, module, the Modular Water Systems Division Manager. Uh, today we are here looking at the uh, rectangular structural inserts that are part of the Everiskid 10K MBR wastewater treatment packages. Uh, these are 30 foot long, 50 millimeter thick uh, polypropylene tanks compartmentalized. Um, these will be inserted in a 40 foot high cube container and then we'll take them and we'll do a technical upfit with all of the membrane modules, the wastewater treatment equipment, uh, the fully detailed plug and play equipment room. Uh, we have two of them. Um, one going to a single-family residential development in North Texas. A second one is going to a campground customer in Pennsylvania. And we just recently took a production order for a third one for another campground um, in southern Indiana. Nobody's made a 40. What is it? The largest mold in the world, yeah. 
That is the largest mold in the world. That's big. Here's an example of one working right now. So, see the heat source down there. And it heats the plastic as it's rotating around the drum. And it just keeps layering and layering and layering. We extrude plastic over a drum. We have different sizes of drum between 26 inches up to 13 foot. Many, many drums, many different sizes. And we can build tanks to any lengths we want. The smallest tank can be 55 gallon, and we can go to about 50,000 gallon plastic tank. Tank can be used for any type of uh, reactors. Tank can be water, water, wastewater, and so forth. What you're watching here is the drum rolling the uh, plastic. So there's a heating element underneath, just heating the plastic as it goes around. Is being wound from the other side on a feeder. And this will take about 10 hours to form an 11 foot tank. They'll do it in shifts where the guy feeds it on the other side. Then once it's completed, it'll cool and they'll slide it off the roller. And you'll see the finished version of it over there in the corner. So the process is done by hand and takes a while. And this is why tanks very expensive. It's expensive material. It's expensive process in the sense of, you know, it does require custom labor. These are unique manufactured products. So they are, they take time and expertise to create this. Now the irony is like these are insanely strong and won't corrode and they will last a very long time. And they'll be used for a lot of heavy industrial uses. And uh, honestly, it's a excellent replacement for steel or fiberglass or concrete bases. This is way better technology for doing tankage. So this package is our commercial Iveramod wastewater lift station product line. It's for a duplex submersible wastewater pumping system. It is complemented by our rectangular valve vault system. If you'll see, we have our aluminum, aluminum frog mouth access hatch that goes on the top of the pump station. And so this makes up the primary structural components that are part of the Avermod wastewater lift station product line. Alistair Polytank is a major provider for us. And what we decided to do, because they're so, they're so good at what they do, we decided to uh, make a, a strong strategic partnership with them so they would make more of, because what Dan early was having to do was send, um, have different contractors all over the country do different things. House and Polytank is gonna do more and more in one shop and it's gonna be much more efficient. So these, those are these uh, amazing high density polyethylene HDPE units that are the basis for this modular water systems um, boom that's going on. Um, you know, I can tell you that in uh, May, uh, it looks like we are going to break a million dollars for modular water systems alone. Remember that back in the day, we used to get a uh, million dollars a quarter from progressive water only. Now, progressive water continues to grow. You saw how we, we were 55% higher on revenue uh, in Q1, while modular water systems is starting to explode. And this is really exciting. So we're going to be announcing that partnership. They're wonderful people. And I thought I'd give you a little bit of this clip. So. I see I've got some great commentary here, so I'll catch up here a little bit. And um, 
That is a genius. Keith, you're absolutely right. Uh, Chris Worth says, love the self-sufficient cities initiatives. We should talk collaboration. We'll work a proposal. Chris, I can't wait. Send it to me. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Melody says, um, Melody Petravia says, how does this program work? How do you start using this water on a personal level? And how can you make money? Okay, this is very interesting. Um, what we're doing is we're making it possible for communities to, to do their own water, full water independence. That's, you could do any combination of it, but you know, the maximum would be, excuse me, your own water from a well, and then, and then you treat your own water and, into a, a sludge pit kind of thing with pumped out every six months. And then also you do the, the, uh, the gray water reuse onto the lawns and so forth. So all these things would be completely end-to-end. Last week, we had, uh, we showed what Ken is working on, which is a project in Pennsylvania. I'm being put in touch with a major developer who's led to 40 plus developers in North Texas, who we believe will be very excited about this. So the, the money that, that really is going to be made here is going to be by investors going in on, on because remember, we, we, we can make it a good deal for the homeowners association by telling them, look, just pay on the meter. But somebody's got to pay that machine. And so there is an investment to be made. And remember, this is a, an asset that generates income. And Eugene Tully says, great idea. I think you were talking about the relationship with Houston Polytank and how we're building up our ship. Actually, I've arrived at that magical moment. So it's the terrible duo, <laughs> the dynamic duo. The dynamic duo. Dynamic duo. Thank not, you very much. Not to be a terrible trio. Right. Exactly. But... Um, the reason why I wanted to sort of roll into this is because I wanted to just comment on how responsive we are and how much we listen. Because one thing that was made, um, oh, Mel, okay, Melody, I'll get back to you. She wants to know how does crypto come into play. And also, um, and also Jean wants to know Ken's direct line. Uh, 877-440-4603, extension 201. But generally what I do is I, I, I would route them to my admin team and they get them on a calendar. So this, so he's not calling. So we have time. We can, we can sit down and talk. We were highly responsive because last week we were so focused on water on demand that we didn't, we sort of um, sidestepped the value of origin clear. And, and what's happening now is, uh, and I do not have the time to do it, but we have a new institutional deck. It actually exists. <laughs> I'm just not going to, you know, it's already 839, so I'm not going to show that, but it will be shown next week, and it is amazing. And here's what the point is. Water Demand is the, the platform. It's by far the most important thing we're doing. It's, it's a revolution in, in financing of water systems. It's the only um, water as a service that is being done like an oil well, in other words, regular investors, and all kinds of good stuff like that. But then we're stacking a bunch of other things on it. And as a result, Origin Clear is going to be unbelievably powerful. Have all these have all these valuable properties, you know, within them, right? And um, you know, there was this. Uh, this we, we talk about Y Combinator, right? In fact, we have this uh, very cool spreadsheet which shows um, how Y Combinator uh, at the beginning of Airbnb, you know, they put in twenty thousand dollars, and they came out of it with twenty five million. I think Y Combinator did all right, right? So no, I think I think it was eighty-eight million. You're right. Value of holding that was the post money valuation at the time. You're right. Right, right. right. It was eighty-eight right. million. 
So uh, 40, 440,000% right. uh, return on investment. So here's the thing. This, um, and, and here's another example, once again, with um, where is, um, I'm looking for, um, here's right. yeah. um, so here's Y Combinator again. So yeah, you want to you wanna be the Airbnb, you want to be the Stripe, but you also want to be the Y Combinator. Right? Wait, but you don't get to own Y Combinator. Y Combinator, y Combinator keeps it in. So um, it, it, kind of in a much more direct response to uh, Melody's question, how do we make money? Look, what, the, 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 there are 150,000 water utilities spread out throughout the United States. Every one of them are making money. In other words, if you own those stocks, they pay you a dividend just to be a stockholder. So there's tons of money rolling in. So imagine instead of 150,000 very large kind of archaic systems, imagine a million small, really dealing with that very efficient, small, modern, efficient utilities. And instead of just getting this little dividend on, on as a stockholder, getting a, an actual revenue stream as a direct participant in the royalty. That's the, that's the, so you asked how you make money. That's, that's how we make money. We're not gonna eliminate major uh, water systems. We, we're, we, can add, we can certainly add capacity. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go out to the exurbs where they, where they can't operate, right? Because it's just, there's not enough population density out there for them to build billion dollar systems, but you can have a hundred, $200,000 systems out there servicing tens of thousands of people in a way that is far superior to the major cities. I mean, is that basically, you know, that's what we've been talking about. And that's what I'm trying to do with that 50 acres. Exactly. So um, what a man with focusing on this sudden um, mega trend with water for us, the self-sufficient communities, and then moving into the crypto. Melody wanted to know a little bit about that. Now, it's very early for the crypto, but as I was laying out to Mariska, it's basically a two-part system where on the one side, we have a community of activists who are looking for water problems, alerting, going, setting it up the flat, up, you know, up the pole to, to uh, a group of delegates, which would then turn it into proposals and send them over to financing side. And on the financing side, that's that dollar um, H2O, which is like a wrapped dividends. Very interesting. And I just ask that you stay tuned because we are uh, working on um, what's going to show up in that deck is going to be an amazing multi-line um, five-year forecast showing, okay, here's how Origin Clear rolls out. Here's how the corporate rolls out. Here's each of them rolling out. Echelons, boom, 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 boom. And water and on demand is the keystone, as we discussed. That's important, right? Because everything is going to spring from that. Water man is, is, yeah. is, to me, is the killer app. It's the killer yeah. app, no question about it. it. It is an enabler for all of this. And, right. uh, for example, modular water systems, those polytank uh, constructions that was going on, those systems are designed specifically to be used in water demand installations. Why? Because it's highly standardized. And also, you can repossess them because they're modular. So the, the, what I believe is going to happen is that we're, we're going to stun people with the value that Origin Clear gets out of this because it will be like a multi-property landlord, basically, right? And, and um, I've been talking to investors about this, about just the one. When you actually begin to multiply that value add, those assets, the revenues that come to back to the mother, and each one of the... look. One of the biggest hindrances for startup companies, right, is the admin costs. 
these things are going to go, these things are going to spin off lean, right? All of the, you know, all of the admin, all of the drag is going to be handled by the mothership. That's a huge advantage to the babies. It's also a major, major advantage to the parent. Right. And so here's the thing. Some of our investors like, don't tell me you're going to put um, water demand on NASDAQ before it's clear. And I want to make it clear. Um, NAS- companies can't go on the NASDAQ until they're two years old, at least. That's a requirement. So water on demand is not going on the NASDAQ for two years. And that's, believe me, that's actually very soon. But you'll give us plenty of an opportunity to build the asset base for and clear. Because remember, all the assets that are built in water on demand are our equity, are our um, assets for origin clear because we're the owners, right? Now, think about that landlord example, that multi-property landlord. Um, you have, for each of those properties, partners, perhaps, and you have banks, right? But you have 10, 20 properties. That's where you get your strength as a multi-property landlord, right? It's, you could own one property outright and be the only one, and it'd be all you had, it would have less value than multiple ones where you had partners. Right. From just the, the, the adding on of value, but also the synergy of partners, right? Now, and the narrowness like, of performance risk, the narrowness of performance risk, right? You have one, you're a one-trick pony. Correct. Uh, Janine, hi, Janine. Well, Janine Mitchell wants to know, are you still wanting institutional investors, international institutional investors? And the answer is yes, we finally are able to do it because what I decided to do uh, I discussed this on Friday w- uh, with Andrea, and we decided that he and Dustin, who's our, our world-class investment analyst, are going to work with me specifically in 100% only on institutional, what we call sophisticated investors. By that, I mean, we're, I'm not going to go after some VC in Silicon Valley. We're going to go after people who are, um, you know, uh, family office, high net worth, so they're still approachable. They're still individual. They're not some faceless bunch of analysts who are going to try and destroy you. But nonetheless, they want to have institutional grade requirements. And so we're now ready and we're building that, that package. So Janine, let's be in touch about that. We, we, are, we were not happy about doing that because here's the thing. Ken's mission is to work with the most important people we have, which are the accredited investors. And wasn't it cool to watch the, the, the CEO of Nightscope Talk specifically about that, yeah. where no way am I working with VCs. I like working with the real people who he come said, back again and again. He said he said something that I've actually said, not those words, but I was like, I like this guy, right? So he said, look, um, and first of all, family offices, that's very important. Family offices right now want assets, assets, assets. And they're in failing assets. They're in very troubled and distressed assets right now. And this is generational wealth that they must protect. They can't go and put the money into the market or into some crazy crypto. They have to protect it with long-term, multi-year uh, you know, inflation defensive strategies. And, and, and those assets are failing. So I think this will be uniquely popular for the, for the, for the family office. But um, he said something to the effect, the Nightscope CEO, he said, look, uh, I'm not going to talk to a bunch of kids in Silicon Valley um, their model is to fail ninety percent. Is to is to be right. Is to be wrong ninety percent of the time. But their attitude is is they're right ninety percent of the time. He goes, I'm not twenty six years old. I don't need to deal with that. I was like, I like this guy, right? Because that's the experience we've had, right? Um, these these you know these these venture capital firms. And and don't get me wrong, we want to talk to them, and we'll be ready for them when they're ready for us, right? But right now, our 
our our really true um, touchstone are individual investors who who don't have access to major asset investments that actually make money. In other words, people say, "You've got something I want with water on demand. Let me participate." In other words, you know what, what do you always say? First, you speak to your um, you, you speak to your enthusiast. You know, you deal with the skeptic you, later. You know, always market you, you market the enthusiasts first, and right. never to the um, the conservatives and skeptics because right. they'll 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 come again. They'll come eventually anyway. They'll fall. We all, we all sit, we all, we all, everyone we know, we're all accredited investors and we're all looking around going, well, what are you doing with your money? Like, I'm, I'm losing money. What are you doing? I'm losing money. So, um, you know, I talked, I talked to my, my you know, my friend Satano, uh, and, you know, I told him about the deal. He goes, I'm in. I go, I didn't invite you. He goes, yeah, he goes, but I have to, he goes, I got to find something to put my money in. Well, you know, anesthesiologist, you know, he, you know, it's just, you, the, the place to put money right now, we're in a bear market. In, on Wall Street, it's a bear now. Okay. Okay, it's worse than that, my friend. And because no, you, you were you were sharing with me some pretty grim stuff, and what we've we've got to do is find a Which safe harbor. Really didn't share with the audience, <laughs> right? Because it was like whoa, it was too but, grim. I know. But here's the thing: um, water is not going to stop being consumed, so it's not going to go into recession. Right. Number two, it's an asset, so it's it's not going to de- degrade. Number three, it's income bearing. Yes. That's a wonderful safe harbor for your it money. It checks all the boxes. Oh, and by the way, um, it's necessary for all life on earth. And the successful implementation can not only tell a eco-minded or an environmentally conscious investor how many gallons of water they're saving on a, on a, on a yearly basis, but eventually with enough of these systems out there, we will be able to calculate how many human lives are being saved. There's 6,000 children that died today from contaminated water, okay? That's a scandal. And it's literally, what, it, what, is it, what is it due to? Lack of access, lack of capital. This provides capital, which then provides access. It literally is the solution once, once scaled out. Good. Now, I'm going to answer a couple of questions before we wrap up. First of all, Melody would like to know, if we don't qualify to invest, are there other ways to participate and the answer is yes, we are going flat out to build a Regulation A offering, which uh, we, we, we paid the lawyer already, he's building it. And um, we're, today we were building the Kickstarter style funnel, the market is working on that. So Regulation A means, you know, whatever the minimum is gonna be 500 or $1,000, I don't know what it's gonna be, but it's gonna not require to be accredited. You can invest up to 10% of your annual income or, or of your net worth, either way. So most people can do, you know, a fair chunk, two, three, four, five, ten thousand, whatever, and that I believe is going to be a wonderful bedrock for, you know, if you look up NiceScope on Start Engine, you'll see your company here that, that that built a huge robotics security company entirely from regulation A offerings. right from from small investors, right? Yeah, nothing yeah. but, and so that I believe is the strength, and then the accredited investors get a special offering. And they're still treated right. So, uh, Melody, if you'll stay tuned, uh, please feel free to buy stock on the open market. But the Reg A is coming. My hope is it will be, you know, after the July 4th break, we will have it running, but that's just a hope. Okay. And then quickly, Emil George has a question What are all the different business lines of subsidiaries in Origin Clear and how are they related? It gets confusing when you talk about each one and how it all ties together. I didn't have time today, but what I wanted to do, I wanted to do the, the Death Star exploding animation. 
here we are with all the different parts and then boom, and, uh, and it turns into all these different things. I was like, darn, I just don't bang. More like the big bang. Well, but it happens in slow the universe, right? <laughs> anyway, but let me show you, I'll show you, uh, Emil, I'll show you one uh, slide from the, from the institutional deck to give you a sense of what we have. Okay. What on demand income bearing capital for what is a service? And then the killer app is this water for us powering self-sufficient communities. We found that's where the demand is, but the engine is water on demand. Second is H2O, the first west of base water coin. Now, Averamod is pump stations. That video you saw, the last right, thing that Dan showed was a pump station. That's what, and we are killing it in pump stations. We have one national uh, account coming that it alone should be good for $5 million a year. And that's one account. And that announcement will come. So that's the next rollout. Then Modular Water Systems itself with its multiple patents. And finally, uh, Progressive Water, which we've had forever since 2015 uh, and has been a steady performer. It too, it actually turns out they have intellectual property as well. So now in that context, Origin Clear is the mothership, provides all centralized finances and the, set, the spinoffs say specialized. And we plan to go NASDAQ as the Y combinator of wider industry. High growth, downside risk management through venture specialization. Each venture is its own thing. This was the famous business unit strategy at um, Microsoft, yep. where they would roll out. You remember Microsoft money? There were all these various things that, remember they had a phone? None of these things worked. But because they were separate uh, independent business units, it didn't affect the overall company. And so, you know, the operating system and, and office and then SharePoint, there were, there were certain things that worked really well. As they say, they, 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 uh, they achieved attachment for those things, right? Um, and certain things they didn't achieve attachment, but it was all right because they had these hits. And that we're basically going to adopt this, this Microsoft, actually, it's a really, really great analogy, this Microsoft um, uh, model where you have individual units and they are highly specialized, but you have central services. And that's the plan. So with that, the first incubation is complete. And so basically we're now selecting our first commercial pilot program. And then uh, it's about water as a managed service. And then we're rolling into the first application area, which is water for us with these self-sufficient communities where we already have customers paying us money. So it's important to remember, we've talked a lot, Ken, about the future, the future, the future, the future. We have existing present is pretty cool, right? I know, I know. That are, I, that are rocking it, they're booming. Right, anyway. we get, it, it, you know, it is, our present is actually very, very, very strong, but it's not this gigantic global thing. So sometimes we overlook the fact that it's very, very important to talk about that we're really very, very strong right now because people want to talk about making a difference in the world. It, both are important. You can't make a difference in the world if your core isn't strong, and we do have a strong core. So I, I think it's very important to mention. And look, you know, as part of this, as part of this spoken hub theory, uh, uh, Emil, um, water on demand will power all of these different companies because it will be the lattice work or provide a globalization ability uh, by being essentially a managed services for water. It'll handle the movement of capital and the management of contracts, right? You know, Amazon doesn't own any retailers, right? Yet it's the largest retailer in the world. Um, Airbnb doesn't own any hotels, but yet it's the largest hotelier in the world. Water on demand could own, could, could literally, could, we could own all of those systems, but by virtue of having other people build them, 
will simply be really the largest of its kind in the world. And then that will give birth to all of these other, um, you know, spinoff opportunities, which is really, which creates this compounding effect on the mother company that is just, I mean, it's stunning. Okay. Last question of the night. Emil wants to know how will the accredited investor money be used? It's for water on demand only. The funds will be used to build out the individual decentralized units, e.g. and ex-herb. And you're absolutely right, 100%. So here's the story. The, the money being raised currently that the use of the money here is shown in this, uh, in this slide, where basically investment goes directly into water on demand for the royalty, for the percentage of, of water demand inc, and with the free grant of preferred stock and cashless warrants. That is, the, that is the use of proceeds. The money you know, is going into these water assets. Talk to Ken about it. It's very exciting. There'll be, there'll be future opportunities to invest money in future rollouts, um, but we want you to have a win with this one. We want you to make, make like a bandit on this one because I think it's going to be very exciting. We have the projects ready to go, and we're going to be rocking. One, one last comment to Emil. Um, you know, these XR projects, which I'm trying to create one myself, the same exact modality, the same exact mentality, finance the exact same way work for businesses and um, agriculture and commercial locations all over the, all over the country. So it's the same, it's the same mantra. They, they have slightly different ways of processing water, but it's all about, you know, you can rent a beach, you can rent a beach house at Airbnb or you can rent a high rise apartment. You know, they don't care, right? We're, we're, we're agnostic in the same way. And that is our strength. Good. With that, we've, we've managed to uh, chew up an entire hour. It's been amazing. And I'm, I love how many people have stuck around. It's been fascinating. Thank you for being so, so loyal. I know there's a lot of people show up kind of late, like, oh, I'm not going to go through the old you know, safe harbor and all that stuff. But uh, you certainly got into the interesting stuff. We have lots to tell you. We're going to go into great, much greater, much deeper dive on this uh, strategic investor um, op, um, PowerPoint because it goes beyond what on demand, which sure. is, is Ken's focus right now to go, okay, let's take a look at the five-year plan. It will be in there. You're going to love it. So please come back next week. It's been amazing having you. And um, Sharon says, I love this. And thanks for taking the time to keep us informed. Uh, Eugene says, great presentation. Stevan says, thanks for a great presentation. And oh, Stephen yeah. Davis. Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Stephen, brothers. And, yeah. um, and actually, I owe, I owe uh, Christopher Mill a, a note because he checked in with me too. But we'll talk about that. Okay. Everyone, have a wonderful weekend. See you next week. And Emil, it's been a great pleasure answering your questions. We love it when we people get interactive. So do stay tuned. Thank you all and have a good night. Good night now.